Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and this is Red Pill Revolution episode number eight today. And I'm so excited that you're joining me. Thank you so much. I truly, truly do appreciate it. But today, we're going to talk about some really interesting stuff. There was some uh, updates. The whole entire first week of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was this week. So we heard the opening statements in last week's podcast. This week, we're going to talk about all of the updates. Day two, day three, day four, day five. Then we're going to talk about Epstein's Black Book. Who was in it? There's a crazy amount of celebrities, royalty, uh, some unbelievable weird ties to like modern or uh, current events with people like Alec Baldwin being in the book uh, and even some crazy, crazy theories that uh, Jeffrey Epstein is a clone, which came out of a little bit of research from that uh, black book. Uh, but we're going to go over all of those names. I, if you want to follow along with that, it is on the Substack right now, so, uh, redpillrevolution.substack.com. We're also going to talk about the Jesse Smollett, <laughs> Smollett trial, trial, the Jesse Smollett trial, where Jesse Smollett allegedly, uh, yeah, you'll find out more about it. But an update with that is that he said they had, uh, with one of the people that he paid, to uh, basically beat him up, and you'll find out more about that in a little bit, but also admitted to cocaine-fueled bathhouse sexual escapades with the man or one of the men that he paid to beat him up. So is he a masochist? Obviously. Uh, But (laughs) uh, we're also going to talk about some things that Trump has said recently and obviously talk about all of the updates from the Glenn Maxwell trial. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the revolution. And so the first thing I needed to do, though, is go ahead and click the subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, it's down there. If you're on your Apple iPhone podcasts, um, it's right on the screen there. So go ahead and press the subscribe button. The next thing I need to do, if you're on Apple podcasts, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. I would appreciate it so much. Um, and go ahead and check out our merchandise. We have some sweatshirts, the uh, Misinformation Mafia t-shirts, which will be coming in very soon. Go ahead and order those. We also have some Red Pill Revolution stickers, shirts, all of it. Pretty cool stuff. Check it out. And if you would like to donate um, to Fuel the Revolution, get me a nice, beautiful new microphone and some other things to help with the show, um, go ahead and go to givesengo.com slash revolution. I would appreciate it so, so much. Um, so without further ado, let's jump into it. The first topic that we're going to look into today is the Jesse Smollett trial. Uh, so I guess there's been some happenings within that trial. There was some interesting information introduced recently that was that he actually had a mock <laughs> beating up of himself by these two people that he paid. So basically, if you if you are not familiar with the Jesse Smollett trial, Jesse Smollett is an actor. He was in some shitty show nobody cares about. And what he did is he staged a uh, he staged something to look as if he got beat up in in the what the narrative originally was he got beat up by two guys with MAGA hats on Trump supporters and uh, they put a noose around his neck and called him the N word or something like that. Um, crazy. If that was true, it's horrible, right? Don't do that to people. But it wasn't true. He was lying. The whole thing was fabricated. He basically paid these two dudes to make it look like he was getting beaten up around uh, in this like 
street at 3 a.m. Um, he was allegedly coming back from a subway at 3 o'clock in the morning, and two guys jumped out of a car and ran and beat him up. So it ended up being fake. He paid these guys $3,500 to fake beat him up, these two actors that I guess he worked with at some point in the past. Um, but some of the key updates that have come out from the trial has been a little bit about uh, why the cops actually kind of what piqued their curiosity surrounding him, besides the fact that nobody's going to randomly put a noose around your neck. Um, but, at least not in 2021. But... Some of the other interesting stuff. Let's go ahead and watch this clip here and get some updates. A lot of people, myself included, were horrified. Absolutely. Um, just the the circumstances and the way he told the story and this uh, and uh, what ha what he said happened to him sort of fit in with a narrative, not a narrative, but a, a reality for a lot of people in this country since President Trump wa was inaugurated, that there is, a, that there is a, an atmosphere of menace and an atmosphere of hate around the country that made it possible for people to re either readily believe or want to believe Jesse Smollett. Narrative. Yeah, there you see he said the narrative before he said reality. The reality a lot of people face is not getting the shit kicked out of them by two people who scream uh, MAGA and then call you the N-word um, and then put a noose around your neck in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. That's not the reality of people coming out of the Trump administration. That's, that's such a stupid thing to say. Um, but I digress. beginning, as were many other journalists, by the way, not just me, by no stretch of the imagination, uh, who we've all reported on hate crimes and hoaxes. New images of Jesse Smollett from the night he claimed he was assaulted by two men in an apparent hate crime. Police body cam video capturing the embattled actor at his apartment still wearing the noose he says his attackers put around his neck. The video, part of some nearly 70 hours of surveillance, body cam footage, investigative records, and other images made public by the Chicago Police Department. Authorities blurring faces. The alleged assault happening this past January, early in the morning after Smollett headed back to his apartment. The alleged attackers, now known to be these two brothers, who police say can be seen in a cab allegedly heading to meet Smollett. And later, seen walking down the street in this video. The supposed incident itself not captured on tape. Cops apparently became suspicious when Smollett didn't want to provide them cell phone records and things of that nature to help with their investigation. They quickly came to believe that he paid the Osenderos, I believe it was $3,500, to rough him up and frame Trump supporters in order to make Smollett look more sympathetic and gain attention. Smollett initially caught a huge break when the prosecutor unexpectedly dropped all charges. It was on March 26, 2019. Smollett was only expected to perform 16 hours of community service and forfeit a $10,000 bond. How did Smollett get himself such a great deal? Well, it helps to have powerful friends in your corner. As I reported when it happened, Kim Fox, the state attorney who cooked up the deal, had, quote, been in contact with supporters and relatives of Smollett, including Tina Chen, a former aide to First Lady Michelle Obama. The relative and Fox ostensibly discussed getting the Chicago police to turn the entire matter over to the FBI, which Fox attempted in vain to make happen. Fox was supposed to recuse herself and file paperwork to do so, but then she didn't. She even stated publicly that there was plenty of evidence to proceed to trial and have him convicted. I guess her heart just wasn't in it. Thankfully, the public outrage, including from Mayor Rahm Emanuel and Chicago's chief of police, who were understandably outraged that their time had been wasted on this, forced authorities to reconsider. A special prosecutor got involved, and now Smollett faces six charges of disorderly conduct, class 4 felonies, for making various false reports to police. The Osendero brothers took the stand last week and confirmed that Jussie Smollett hired them to beat him up. They had worked as extras on Empire, and Smollett was friendly with them. They exercised together, they hung out, and they allegedly procured drugs for Smollett. Under cross-examination, the defense tried to argue that one or both of the brothers harbored anti-gay animus, which the witness vehemently denied. The defense also suggested one of the brothers might have been romantically involved with Smollett, but they denied that as well. This is all from reports of what was going on inside the courtroom. Unlike the Rittenhouse trial, there are no cameras, so we don't have footage of it, sadly. 
It's Smollett's turn to mount his defense beginning today. It is not clear whether his attorneys plan to call him to the stand. Normally, having your client testify is not a smart move for a defense attorney, but it obviously worked to the defense's benefit in the Rittenhouse trial, so we'll have to see. Smollett obviously deserves the opportunity to tell his side of the story, and the jury should not convict him unless they are satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt that he lied about what happened. But I'm pretty satisfied we know what's going on to be perfectly, uh, perfectly stated plainly. Now, the thing is... All right, that's enough of that guy. Um, but you see, one of the funniest things that I just saw there um, was the the cops, they're walking around the kitchen after this happened, and the cop, he's walking around with this like white, it's not like a real rope that you would think about when you think of a noose. It's like a, almost like a, like a cord or like a really thin rope, that, white, completely white rope. Um, and so the cop is just like, hey, man, you want to take that off for something? And he goes, oh, yeah, I did. I just wanted you guys to see it. So it was like he kept that thing around his neck for like two hours um, after he was even questioned by the police. And then as the police started to ask him for his phone records, um, kind of digging into the situation a little bit further, that's when some red flags started to come out when Jesse is small at didn't want to give his phone over. So that caused some situations to go on there. So then the judge uh, basically had ties to Michelle Obama and a few people within higher powers and gave him 16 hours of community service for not just filing a wrongful police report, which is what he was, I guess, being tried for originally, but what he should be tried for, for like 16 hours of community service for committing an act that's intention solely is to drive our community of people against each other is to cause not only a divide but cause a racial divide in the united states that pinpointed people and you heard it from the guy originally who said that it fit the narrative oh i'm sorry fit the reality but he really meant merit narrative because that's what they were pushing was the maga you know racist narrative and so he all he, all Smollett was trying to do was to gain some notoriety because I guess he something about his show wasn't getting renewed or he wasn't getting renewed for a show or his contract was coming up. That's what it was. His contract was coming up for a show and he wanted to be, see if he could negotiate a higher contract is the idea behind getting some hype from, I guess, the black community off of him and the white liberal left community or somehow off of him being beat up by MAGA haters or MAGA supporters. Um. So for literally trying to cause a country-wide divide between races, this guy got 16 hours of community service, which could be done in four days, four hours a day. No mathematician, but I got that one. <laughs> so that is crazy for, for literally trying to incite some kind of racial outcry and uproar, which could have caused a, if this was true and happened, and could have caused a, on the back of the Rittenhouse trial, this is interesting, some type of uprising from the Black Lives Matter movement, which could have then caused somebody to go there to protect their community, which could have then caused multiple people to be shot in a self-defense scenario, right? And that's kind of the road you have to take with this thought process is this isn't just him filing a false police report and being a freaking idiot. This is him trying to incite racial violence, like a racial divide. And he got 16 hours of community service for that originally. And then somebody from the state came in and said, we're not going to do that. We're going to have a special prosecutor came in. And now that's why there is an actual trial like there should have been originally. So um, interesting, interesting stuff coming out of that. I guess Jesse Smollett was supposed to take the stand today. So we will see what the outcome of is that of that is moving forward. Um, so I'll keep you updated on that. Next thing we're going to talk about here is just something I found super funny. Um Side note, it's really not much to go on a rant about, but what the Trump goes here, let's just watch, it's hilarious. We're taking down the tents, you know, they left all the tents, they left everything. Couldn't they have flown in a couple of hundred pilots and flown the planes up? And I'll never forget Millie saying to me, sir, sir, it's cheaper to leave the equipment than to bring it. I said, well, you got a $50 million airplane, you got a $29 million gorgeous, Helicopter, we had every type of helicopter, many of them brand new, literally out of the box. 
28, 29 million. We have 60, 70 million dollar plans. You mean you think it's cheaper to leave it there so they can have it than it is to fill it up with a half a tank of gas and fly it into Pakistan or fly it back to our country? You think, yes, sir, we think it's cheaper, sir. That's when I realized he was a fucking idiot. <laughs> I got to know a lot of the generals. I got to know a lot of them. They are great. But the television generals have been they're just bad. The politicians are just bad. <laughs> so Oh, so it's like, who was that? Like, the, Millie was the general at the time under the Trump administration. Um, and so he goes, he was advising Trump on whether or not to leave stuff when, when in, or in Afghanistan when we took our troops out. And he says, that's, that's what I knew. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> And now we know that Trump's uh, impressions of people are equally as bad as mine. <laughs> um, but anyways, I just thought that was funny. It looked like he was at some kind of dinner party or something. Um, and he was an army general who joined or who served as the 20th chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Moving staff. on, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the updates from the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. So the opening statements were made. That was when we left off last week. So since then, we had the second day of the trial. Um, and let's see if we can pull that up here. Now, if you want to follow along or you want day-to-day -day updates about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, what you can do right now while you're listening to this is open up a separate browser and go to this website. It will give you daily updates on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. You, they just released an article about Epstein's black book that was used in the actual trial uh, where it reveals tons of celebrities, royalty, presidents, uh, elite people. Um, and it's a super great breakdown. It has pictures of each individual person and then pictures from the actual black book. So go check that out. Redpillrevolution.substack.com. Did I mention that it's our Substack? Redpillrevolution.substack.com. And you can actually follow along with what we're talking about right here. So we're going to start in day three, actually. We covered up to day two last time. So in the actual second day of the trial, I'll just read what this says here. The Glenn Maxwell trial continues for the third day with the prosecution beginning their cross-examination of the alleged victim, going by the pseudonym of, of Jane. Jane is a prominent actor that lives in Hollywood. Now, they actually came out with who Jane was. I saw comments and stuff on YouTube and on some other uh, Instagram pages who were actually saying who these names of these people, of this Jane was. Um, and I think that's pretty fucked up, to be honest. If this person wants to remain anonymous in this type of case, don't say their name, dude. Like, there's zero reason that you should be calling somebody out, even if you find a stupid Reddit feed where you can see who Jane was and, and based on the information and whatever, they figured it out. But there's no reason to call that person out. There's no reason to be commenting their name like you know something like, oh, I know who this victim was of this sexual assault. Like, oh, great. Way to go. Anyways, so um, there was speculation growing around that Maxwell's lawyers were trying to show discrepancies within the case in hopes of getting the charges thrown out. So they were trying to basically delegitimize some of the actual people that were standing on uh, the bench during their cross-examination. And they were trying to uh, allude to Jane using Epstein and Maxwell to get money for her tuition at the Interlochen Center for Arts, where Epstein himself went as a child and where he had a house within miles of as an adult. So the Interlochen uh, School of Arts or Center for Arts is actually in um, Michigan, and it was gone to by a bunch of famous celebrities, including uh, this Jane, and also M Epstein himself actually went there. So he had a house, a, a mansion, obviously, very close to this place, and he would fly in there a lot, and he would basically recruit girls from the school, and by alluding to the fact that they're going to pay their tuition. 
Um, then in the trial, the defense looks to discredit Jane by pointing out that she was an actor and played the role of a prostitute. So I'll actually read that because I think that was so there's so many things so far within this trial that was so distasteful by this defense. I can see how Ghislaine Maxwell thought they were great to defend her because they're also obviously pieces of shit or they wouldn't have taken this case in the first place. But also, you can just see it in the way that they're approaching this defense. All they've done so far is try to we talked about it last time is try to gaslight the people on the defense, right? Or the victims, they were trying to gaslight their memories. They were trying to delegitimize um, the fact that, you know, they were actually victims and tried to allude to the fact that all they were there for was money. And we saw those in the opening statements last week when we had this podcast. Um, so, uh, you know, fill in the blanks yourself. But um, it said manager who was one of her defense attorneys said, and then, uh, and since you've played the roles, um, since then you've played roles like a cancer patient, which Jane said, yes. Manager said, prostitute. Jane said, not my favorite role. Manager said, can you cry on demand? And Jane said, no, not always. That's not really how it works. So all that defense attorney is trying to do there is trying to make it look like anything that Jane does as if they're just trying to delegitimize the victims. They're just trying to muddy the water enough so that the jury has reason to believe that there's an ulterior motive or reason to believe that these people are lying or that when she cries about the fact that she was sexually molested by this rapist, Epstein, and the rapist of Ghislaine Maxwell, that, oh, that's just crocodile tears because you're an actress who played a cancer patient. Like, well, how is that even relevant? And why is the fact that she's a prostitute relevant? Because they're literally trying to shame her. They're trying to put a shadow and cast a shadow on her character in a way so that it will manipulate the jury to not take her account very seriously. And that's their whole defense so far. We've seen a lot of this case this whole last week. And so now we know kind of the direction that they're trying to go when they're addressing the things that were done. And all they've done so far is try to muddy that water. And so that was day three. Day four of the trial um, was when the black book got released. Um, it was when we actually learned about a bunch of the visits from Clinton going to the White House. So there was a Freedom of Information Act request done by a uh, news company. I can't recall the name of it. I should because they did great work finding this out. But they basically did a Freedom of Information Act request where they requested the records of everybody who was in the White House during the Clinton administration and found out the fact that Epstein went to the White House, went to the fundamental structure of our government where our president lives, this sex trafficking rapist, walked through those doors proud to be there in one administration that got cut short because that guy was a creepy fuck himself. But 17 times, 17 times he went to the White House in a, what, three-year span that Clinton was actually president of the United States? Do you know how many times friends, like close, deep to my heart, friends have come to my house? Not, for the most part, not 17, maybe a couple people, but not 17. And Epstein's in the White House, specifically, and there's pictures of this, um, there's pictures of Clinton in the White House sitting there with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, so then basically what happens in this trial is that the maintenance employee of uh, Epstein is now being questioned by the defense as well as uh, questioned by the prosecution uh, to figure out some of the information about the massages, some of the information about this booklet that was released regarding the mannerisms that this uh, maintenance man was supposed to hold. And it sounds like to me like he was more than a maintenance man. It sounds like he was their chauffeur. It sounds like he was more of like an uh, actual kind of like uh, uh, errand runner as well as doing maintenance around the house and groundskeeping and things like that. So he would go pick these women or these children up from the airport and bring them to Epstein's house. And so he was questioned and let's talk a little bit about that. So when they began their examination, uh, Jeffrey's maintenance employees spoke about cleaning up after the massages. So he cleaned the house as well. And he recalls finding a large dildo in the room along with pictures of nude women in Ghislaine Maxwell's drawer. 
So we'll talk a little bit about, let's go through some of that here. So this is the day four trial transcriptions where they are questioning Juan Alessi. And uh, this is how it starts. Where do you come from? And he says, Quito, Ecuador. And the prosecution says, when did you move to Florida? Early in 1984. I worked for a wealthy family in Palm Beach. I was a maintenance guy. Then I worked for Mr. Epstein. How did you meet Epstein? I was working at Mr. Wexner's mother's house. And if you don't know who Lex Wexner is, he is a uh, clothing. Let's see if let me make sure I get that right. All right, so former companies held by L Brands, which is L Brands was Les Wexner's company. So this guy used to work, work for Les Wexner too. And Les, that's a hard name to say. Les Wexner uh, owned a bunch of companies like Victoria's Secret, who'd imagine that, Bath and Body Works. Um, I believe it was Abercrombie and Fitch as well. He owned... Let's see. Lane Bryant. He owned Express. He owned Flagship, The Limited. And let's see. What else? Okay. Anyway, so he's a, obviously a super creepy guy. He got all these young models and he was accused himself and was in the uh, black book of uh, Epstein and was tied to actual sex trafficking as well and accused of all of these crimes on women too. So a weird association that he's getting sent from that guy to Epstein and now that he's actually talking about this stuff. So who knows what this guy actually knows being coming from both of those and having that be his network. So they then go on to say that who is in this photo, says Mr. Jeffrey Epstein. And the prosecutor goes on to ask him, when Mr. Epstein was in Palm Beach, where did you sleep? He said, I had a room there. Who else worked there? I brought my wife to help me and other girls. How did things change when Mr. or Mrs. Maxwell got involved? Things were less cordial, less conversational. I was not allowed to see Mr. Epstein anymore unless he asked me questions. Mrs. Maxwell said, don't even look at his eyes. Look at another part of him. And that was... I believe in the booklet that they had. So then they pulled up the blueprint of the house rules and a blueprint of the actual house. So he says, what is this? And he says the second floor. And then he continues to go on and ask if Mrs. Maxwell slept in the Palm Beach house, to which Maxwell's defense says objection. And the judge Nathan says it's allowed. Unless he says she slept in Mr. Epstein's bedroom. He said, how many times did you see females by Mr. Epstein's pool? Unless he said hundreds. He said, how often were they topless? Alessi said, 75% of the time. And he said, how about Little St. James? He said, I was on a cruise with my wife. And they picked us up and showed us Little St. James. Or Little St. Thomas, I'm sorry. Um, he said, it was huge. Um, then, talks about the booklet of instructions. He said, when you, so this is Maxwell's lawyer questioning Alessi now. He said, when you left, didn't you have this in your possession? He said, no, I did not. But this booklet was created after you left, but at least by the date on it, Maxwell's lawyer said. We object to 606. He identified the pages, said the prosecution. Judge Nathan said, I'm overruling the objection. 606 is admitted, being this booklet. And then he says, do not discuss, uh, what does the instruction say? Unless he said, do not discuss your personal problems with guests. With guests. It says in this one, it says, respect their privacy. There's a difference to the Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell telephone. Or there's a reference. Um, what were they? Alessi said, books with hundreds and hundreds of women, directions and addresses. They were two inches thick, full of names. For some reason, um, they were turning away from the two black books, at least now. Um, this is the account from who was actually in the room. And they say, what does it say? It says, place the directory to the right of the phone. All right, so what continues on in here is they basically question Alessi about the pictures that he saw in the room, about where they slept. He was questioned about what he did with the sex toys when he found them, including, I guess, like a big, huge, uh, one of the like big vibrator wands. Um, so he said that he would put the vibrator wand on Epstein's counter and he would put the large dildo in uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's room. And that's what he would do with the supplies when he left there. 
Um, then they go on to talk about the pictures that she saw. And the pictures that they saw was a picture with Ghislaine Maxwell and the Pope, the literal Pope of the Pope was on a picture in Ghislaine Maxwell's and Jeffrey Epstein's house right outside the door of this area, I guess. And then there was pictures of Trump and pictures with Fidel Castro. So the, the Pope, the literal Pope, Donald Trump and Fidel Castro. But a picture with Fidel Castro, which maybe not interestingly enough, maybe the correlation's actually there. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, they also talk about the uh, things that he would see in the next day. So the next day on day five, um, what happens is they bring in the actual massage table and show as soon as they bring in the massage table, the, the, pro, the defense actually objects to the fact that there's actual semen on the massage table when it's brought in. So obviously they didn't have enough time to clean this up or enough self-respect to even clean this up um, from Epstein and Maxwell's perspective. But they bring this in, it has semen on it. The defense objects to the fact that this is even being presented because they say it's going to make people bias. The prosecution says that it's important, basically, and the judge allows it. They move on. All right. Uh, then what ends up happening as well is they further the questioning of Alessi. The massage tables are brought into the courtroom. Maxwell's attorneys continue to call their the victim. So the same way that I talked about it was bullshit, how people are calling Jane her actual name online and commenting just to, to help other people and spread the word of who this victim was. Um the actual defense was doing it. The defense attorneys was calling these victims by their names. They said multiple, multiple, multiple times after being instructed by the judge not to do so. And it clearly pissed off the judge to the point where he calls the defense and the prosecution over to the table and they have to have a discussion over it specifically for about five minutes. Now, the next thing that happens is they bring in uh, these outfits that were to be worn by the underage girls brought into the house, and they were a schoolgirl outfit. They argued over the fact of whether that should be allowed or not, and it was allowed, which this judge seems to be allowing basically everything that's been presented, which I am happy for. Then what we ended up doing is curating a whole list here for you guys of some of the more notable names that I saw within Jeffrey Epstein's black book. So starting from the top here, this was uh, considered Government Exhibit 52, a.k.a. Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. The most anticipated piece of evidence in the United States versus Ghislaine Maxwell trial was revealed in court on Friday. The Rolodex style directory contained dozens upon dozens of entries with the contact information, information of Epstein's acquaintances and associates, many of whom were prominent celebrities, businessmen, and politicians. Below, you'll find a list of names to the corresponding pages, and I put this together, and it's also right there on the Substack. So this is all free. You can go see all these names. You can see their pictures. You can see the unredacted information, the actual pages from the, the Black Book, and uh, go check it out yourself um, or just follow along. So the first person is David Blaine. Super creepy, super weird, don't know the association, don't know how he's tied to it, but very, very weird. It's obviously not financial. Uh, but it is interesting to note the correlation because we're going to talk about this later, that the CIA actually, during Project MK Ultra, which was released uh, 30 or 20 so years ago, um, but the information was released on that, and they had a magician come in to teach them sleight of hand techniques so they could actually drug girls without their knowledge. Uh, weird correlation. But anyways, David Blaine. So David Blaine's the first one on the list. He is a celebrity musician. Mug magician. <laughs> He's a celebrity magician. And he, uh, if you're not looking at the picture, is standing there with a bunch of cards. And uh, so he's on there, David Blaine. Don't know what to make of it. Don't know the correlation. Don't know how he has anything to do with it. Haven't looked much into it. But if you know anything, let me know. Leave a comment in or on the Instagram at Red Pill Revolt. The next person that we have, which is hilarious and interesting ties and correlations to current events as well, is Alec Baldwin is in Epstein's black book of contacts. Alec Baldwin, the Alec Baldwin, the one where there was rumors that, the, okay, let's back up. If you don't know who Alec Baldwin is, he's the former actor turned murderer who shot somebody on set recently. I'm sure you've heard this by now. If you haven't, you're in a hole. And he shot somebody and the person that he shot was the director or video, part of the videography team or something like that or production company and had nothing to do with the set. So it's not like he was sitting there pointing the weapon at somebody who was 
a part of the actual movie and then pulled the trigger. He was literally holding the weapon at somebody and pointing it at somebody who was not a part of the actual acting, not a part of the actual set, and somehow had his finger on the trigger and pulled it at this woman. Now, the woman it's herself, who is now deceased, uh, rest in peace, but her and her husband apparently has ties somehow into, they were working on some type of documentary regarding pedophilia. So Alec Baldwin, the one who shot this woman, a part of the production company who was working on her own side documentary on pedophilia, somehow gets murdered randomly on set. And if you missed his bullshit 60 minutes or whatever they just did on him, they did this long interview with Alec Baldwin, uh, where I don't know what happened because I didn't listen because I don't care. Who cares? He's nothing of value to say. But anyways, he is obviously a creep and is tied to Epstein in some way. And that little string that you can pull on there might be something to look further into where there was allegedly this rumor about her working on a documentary uh, regarding pedophilia. And then there was also some interesting ties between her husband and the Clinton Foundation, if I'm... All right. So this says that basically the husband worked for Latham and Watkins um, office, which represents the Clintons and Michael Sussman, who was recently indicted by John Durham. To add another strange plot twist, Helena Hutchins is originally from the Ukraine and grew up on a Soviet military base. So uh, let's see. And she was previously an investigative reporter, and her husband is a mergers and acquisition lawyer for that company that worked with the Clintons. And Alec Baldwin, let's see. Just when you thought the story couldn't get any weirder, it has now come to light that the woman that they shot was representing Michael Sussman. We just talked about that. All right, so that was it. Nothing crazy. Yeah, he worked as a, for a lawyer for a company that the Clintons represented. So I don't know if there's too much there. Uh, but maybe, maybe not. How did we even get there? Oh yeah, Alec Baldwin was on the Black Book. Okay, so interesting. Now the next really interesting one is Courtney Love. Courtney Love is a famous Hollywood uh, actress, right? Actress. And she also is the former widow of deceased now uh, Kurt Cobain, the one who's there's this whole crazy conspiracy around how he ended up uh, dying and committing suicide, allegedly. But she uh, was in the book of Jeffrey Epstein's black book of contacts. So the widow of Kurt Cobain, who himself, there's also rumors online that he had something that where he was trying to come out with a few other artists that they were going to come out with a part of this documentary on pedophilia. Interesting. So the next person is Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman is a uh, actor, uh, quite kind of creepy in this picture, actually, but he's from a few things. Mick Jagger. So the knighted, I believe, Sir Mick Jagger was in Epstein's book. Now a rock star uh, himself, and I'm sure had his fair share of crazy partying, but he's also a multi-multi-millionaire, probably has ties in the finance industry. Who knows what's that about? What that is about. So next one is Jimmy Buffett. Also a weird one. Uh, don't know what to make of that. Jimmy Buffett, you got some <laughs> questions to answer. But Chris Tucker. So Chris Tucker was on the Epstein flight logs a bunch of times. The Chris Tucker. Rush Hour. He's from Rush Hour 2. He's from Rush Hour 3. <laughs> He's from... <laughs> Uh, Chris Tucker's from a bunch of movies. Uh, let's see if we can pull up his, his Rolodex here, but Chris Tucker was on the list and he flew on Epstein's flight log. He's on the flight log a ton of times going to little St. Thomas going all over. He's one of the top people who were on the actual flight logs. So here's his website where he goes over his, his book. So he was in silver linings playbook. He was in all of the rush hours. He was in Money Talks. He was in The Fifth Element, Dead Presidents, House Party. So really not in a ton of them, um, but mostly Rush Hour. <laughs> he was in Rush Hour. Uh, 
yeah, that's his big ones. All right. So I thought he was from more than that. I guess I just liked him from Rush Hour, but now I don't because he's a creepy pedophile who flew on Epstein's plane a bunch of times. So one of the most reiterated names throughout the, the list was uh, Chris Tucker. The next one is Kevin Spacey. That's an obvious tie. Creepy pedophile himself who is called out during uh, the last few years. So no surprises there. There was also rumors that came out that Michael Jackson was on it. I couldn't confirm that. Didn't see a name in there that had anything to do with Michael Jackson. Um, so that's one that's not true that I've seen around. The other one was Tom Hanks. People said that his name was on it. Uh, that was also not true that I could find his name being in there. Um, now here's an interesting one. So Epstein called himself a science philanthropist. And donated like millions and millions of dollars to prestigious scientific universities such as Harvard, MIT, Santa Fe Institute. Um, several of his money um, was actually continued to be taken by these universities even after he was convicted in 2008, like MIT continued taking his donations. Um, a partial list of the biggest scientific names in Epstein's book was according, was here, was the theoretical physicist and best uh, New York Times bestselling author Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking was in his book, or his contact book, which is interesting. I, obviously, there's probably not much that uh, quadriplegic could have done <laughs> to uh, attack anybody or to uh, do any of these atrocious acts himself, but interesting that his name's in there. He, um, also, the paleontologist and evolutionary biologist Stephen J. Gold, Oliver Sacks, the neurologist and bestselling author George M. Church, and a molecular engineer who worked... Uh, to identify genes that could be altered to create super humans. And the MIT theoretical physicist, uh, Frank Wellscrack, a Nobel laureate. Don't know what that means. Um, so one of the most puzzling things about Epstein is I guess he used to like just surround himself with all these scientists and he'd even throw like science parties at his house where all these prominent scientists from all these uh, colleges that he donated to like MIT, like Harvard, like Santa Fe Institute, um, would show up to his parties, obviously, because they were probably obligated with all these millions of dollars he was throwing at them. And they would talk science. And there was largely reported that Epstein just like didn't really engage much in these conversations, but liked to think of himself as a super smart scientist. And so he had all these contacts in there that were very well-known scientists like Stephen Hawking, um, which is an interesting one. Okay. Now the next ones are the most interesting to me and probably the most interesting to you, which is Peter Soros. So the nephew of George Soros was in Epstein's book, George Soros being the puppeteer master. And you'll see that as a list throughout here. Uh, one of the puppeteer masters and the philanthropist who has, uh, been, uh, been himself the center of attention for crushing countries' financial institutions uh, through shorting them and in, in several financial acts like that by basically just uh, completely crashing a country's whole economy and causing countries to become third world countries because George Soros crashed their whole economy. Anyways, Peter Soros is in Epstein's Black Book. David Rockefeller. So the... David Rockefeller, the grandson, I believe, or son of uh, Rockefeller Foundation, John Rockefeller, right? Is it John? John Rockefeller. And he is in there. So the only, so I could see, there's been a lot of, there's like, if you go search some of those last names, you'll see that they're mentioned places. You'll see that it says, you know, Kevin Spacey, Epstein's Black Book. Just search that. You're going to see a bunch of articles. I searched David Rockefeller and Jeffrey Epstein Black Book. And nothing came up. Nothing came up besides a single article. And this is where we're going to go deep on this one. A single article that claims that Jeffrey Epstein is a clone once you get deep enough into it. So uh, that is on the Substack. You can actually click it and open the article. So pull on that screen. Go read that article. It's in the Substack right now. You can go check it out. It's by... Uh, Let's see, it was some random blog. It was canucknews.ca. You can go check that out where they make this whole <clears throat> web of crazy yarn string ties of information that eventually leads to uh, eugenics, Nazis, George Soros, or I'm sorry, David Rockefeller and Epstein being a clone. And there's also a YouTube uh, video that you can watch there where uh, allegedly the, a cop questions Jeffrey Epstein about his egg-shaped penis that is 
small at the top and gets bigger as it goes on to the base, which is something this article claims means he could potentially be a clone, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so go check that out. It's on the Substack. It's right on the Black Book Revealed article that we're looking at right now. Um, so go check that out. Let me know what you think. Go moving on. Mike Bloomberg. So Mike Bloomberg, the Bloomberg News, Mike Bloomberg, the billionaire media mogul, Mike Bloomberg, the presidential candidate, Mike Bloomberg was in Jeffrey Epstein's black book. Now, again, I don't know what to make of that specifically, but it's an interesting tie. If you're the president or running to be president, which is interesting following this one, you probably don't want to be in Epstein's contact book. Now, there was something back about Courtney Love where Courtney Love stated that she didn't know anything about why her name was in his book and that there was uh, something about how he loved to get the phone numbers of celebrities. And so maybe that's all this is. And maybe all he wanted to do was make it look like he's cool and knows all these people. But probably not. Um, so Mike Bloomberg was in there, media mogul, billionaire. Pull on that string. The next one is an interesting one. And it's more interesting because there's multiple people that are on this. And I've seen people try to defend this like crazy online. And you might be one of those people. And I understand your viewpoint. <laughs> I get it. It's not a good look. And, uh, but that's okay. And we have to look at all of this stuff objectively. And we can't just shield our eyes to the possibility of, of who is in this book and what the implications of those uh, names are and what those ties are. So without further ado, the Trump family, not just Donald Trump, the Trump family, including his former wife, Ivana Trump, and his daughter, his daughter, his daughter, Ivanka Trump, was in Epstein's black book of contacts information. Why? Now, it is interesting to note, too, that Alessi, the maintenance man that we talked about earlier in this podcast, said that he did see a picture of Epstein with Trump. He also stated that he saw, or, um, and also within the flight logs, Trump was on the flight logs flying. So here's what the defense is from people who are defending this, just to give you that side of it, is the fact that, oh, he was only on the plane once, and it was not going to the island, it was going to New York, and apparently during this exchange where Trump, his plane wasn't working and he used Epstein's plane and he flew to New York with it. Uh, not a good look, man. Not a good look at all. Um, and also kind of weird that your wife and your daughter have their contacts with Jeffrey Epstein. And how old was Ivanka when this came out? I mean, she's probably what, 30 now around there. 30 mid lower late or early thirties. I mean, um, so, you know, this came out, I mean, there's names in here from back 10, 15 years ago. So hopefully this wasn't a phone number for her when she was, you know, in her earlier years, but I know there's lots of speculation that, uh, Ivana was a part of helping recruit with Ghislaine Maxwell. There was pictures, I, a picture that came out with Ivana being in a car, I believe with Ghislaine and, a lot of some of these accounts, and there's a lot of a little bit of uh, fog around Mar-a-Lago, which is owned by Trump. So uh, I don't know what to make of that. There is enough smoke here for the potential to be fire. I mean, you can't just close your eyes to that. You can't just say, oh, he went, his wife and his daughter is on there. There's pictures of Ivana with Ghislaine. Um, and Galana is, or I'm sorry, Ivana is Galana. That's a mixture of Galane and Ivana. Um, but Ivana was a international supermodel as well. Um, so interesting to know. Again, I'm not claiming he had any sexual relations with any of these women or children. Um, but it's an, there's a lot of smoke there, and it's something that you should probably address. And if you're closing your eyes to that, maybe you should ask yourself why. Uh, it's hard to defend. Um, yeah. I mean, I get the fact that he never flew to the island. And it's not like he was Clinton, who was having Epstein literally come to his house 17 times within a few years. And he wasn't going to the island like Clinton was. And he wasn't on the logs, you know, was 26 times like 
Clinton was. So that's obviously, there's fire there. This is smoke. So there's not anything that we can make of this. Bill Clinton absolutely was a part of these atrocious acts. You, I don't, don't see how you can turn that any other way. And obviously this is an opinion. And I don't know that for a fact, but 26 times you flew on that plane, 17 times you had him to the White House specifically in like a one-on-one -on -one situation. But he wasn't in the actual black book. Now, the next one is another interesting tie to the current events, which is Andrew Cuomo was fired. And maybe that's an interesting, even more interesting now that his name was revealed in this book. But Andrew Cuomo recently fired from CNN for uh, allegedly basically using his abilities at CNN to poke and prod to try to get his brother out of his sexual harassment claims uh, trial, which Cuomo actually dealt with himself. But... Andrew Cuomo's in there and he was recently fired and he's had sexual harassment uh, claims in the past. And then the last one that we'll talk about today is Richard Branson. So Richard Branson's an interesting one. He originally denied having any coral or any uh, contact or to be anything a part of Epstein. And that was following 2008. But Richard Branson himself has hit an island very close to Little St. James or Little St. Thomas. Why do I keep saying James? must be an island out there called little st james um but little st thomas richard branson had an island right by it like really really close and uh, i don't know if a bunch of billionaires just have a bunch of islands in the bahamas right next to each other where they go to do partying and weird devil seances and satanic rituals on children but that seems to be the case to me anyways <laughs> uh Richard Branson was on the plane. He claims he didn't have any contact with Epstein, but there is also uh, information that came out that he was at Epstein's island at one point and also held a sex call at his island. Nexium, I believe, was the name of the sex call that he hosted a party for on his island. And then there was pictures um, that correlated him with Epstein as well. So there is your Epstein little black book. And that is what we have for you for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial today, which actually further went on today. And we will go into more information about that next week when we cover this week's trial. Um, but now we're going to move into a little bit of information regarding um, the CIA and their history and their little black book of secrets, talking about little black books. So something interesting to know about the CIA, um, the CIA was formed after in after World War II. So the CIA came as a result of World War II. Now, 